The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Jason, thank you so much for uh, holding it down while I was out the past couple weeks. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Um, Really, really happy to have you back. (laughs) Who hosted? Well, I didn't listen while I was gone. Who hosted? Was it you? Evan Evan hosted basketball and I hosted football. Look at you. Just 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 a staff full of versatile weapons we've got, you know? We, yeah. We're a position. We're a positionless sports staff, just like the Tigers play positionless basketball. I'm using the uh, uh, Chris Farley air quotes around hosted. It's it, it was that's a loose a loose uh, term. It was a t- just like the point guard position in Memphis. It was all hands on deck. You know, multiple guys are gonna multiple guys handled the, the responsibilities. Well, we've got a lot to get to in uh, this week's podcast. We are less than a week away, Jason, from. The regular season opener against Tennessee Tech, um, this this much anticipated Memphis basketball season is almost finally here. Um, so later on in the podcast, we'll we'll give you some bold predictions for this season, sort of as a season preview, if you will. But wanted to start off, Jason. Uh, Memphis wrapped up its exhibition schedule. Uh, with a win over the Andre Turner-led Lane College, uh, and uh, another uh, you know blowout win as expected, but uh, it was notable in that it was the uh, debut of Amani Bates in a Memphis uniform and the official return of Landers Nolly uh, to the uh, court uh, after both were missing from the opening exhibition game. Uh, against Lemoyne Owen, um, I guess Jason, let's start here. Your uh, takeaways and impressions from that uh, that ex the second exhibition game against Lane. How do how do you think the Tigers looked, especially with two key pieces in Amani Bates and Landers Nolly uh, on the court for the first time this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really the thing that kind of almost took me by surprise was just how well they worked together. Um, I mean, and, and and how much they were both able to get done uh, uh, in the same game. I mean, they they combined to go uh, eleven of seventeen from the field. Uh, they scored thirty points. They they combined for seven assists. Um, you know, I mean, like they were they were both able to be you know, pretty productive. Uh, and, and the fact that they were, it was their both, both of their first games, both of their first, I mean, this season, both of their first games together, Amani's first game at the collegiate level, although it was against a division two team. Um, it's, you know, it was still, it was still, uh, a step up, uh, from, from what he's been doing. Um, so, I mean, that, that was really, uh, one of the things that, that stood out to me. And I guess, I mean, did you think, you know, as we were, as we were forecasting the season and thinking about what, what, how things were going to 
go for the Tigers this season? Did were, were you thinking that uh, that there could be sort of um, uh, like like the the Imani Bates Landers Nolly uh, thing could not work? Like were, were you thinking that that was something that, that might not work together? No, no, I was more I, I I never thought of it in terms of a tandem like that. I thought of it in terms of uh okay, the five best players on this team, none of them are a natural point guard. So how do you figure out the chemistry there and getting those five best players on the court as much as possible? And I still think that's something that they have to uh figure out as the season goes along, but what what I was struck by and reminded of was I think a lot of people this offseason overlooked Lander's importance to the team. I mean, he is a bona fide bucket getter, and he is a great shooter. It looks like, and as you pointed out, I think, you know, it looks like he was um, creating for others better. Now, I don't know how much you want to draw into that because it was against Lane College, not against a, you know, quality opponent, but... To me, I mean, he's very clearly one of your best offensive weapons. You need to find ways to get him on the court as much as possible. Um, and so that's sort of what I was struck by. And then with Amani, I was really impressed with, in ha- in the half-court setting, his vision is terrific. Yeah. Um, and I loved his body language. He seemed to be taking joy you know, he had this, you know, he's got this rep as, you know, he's the Sports Illustrated cover boy. And, you know, he, he played on these teams, these AAU and high school teams where he was like just taking a bunch of contested shots. And, you know, he was the man. I was impressed with like how much joy he takes in other people's success. Like what a good teammate he seems like. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into body language and mannerisms during an exhibition game but i think all the early signs indicate that you know he's got like a you know he's much more unselfish than he's given credit for um and so i was really really impressed by him i know he had some moments particularly bringing the ball up the court against pressure where you saw like he is not you know a natural point guard necessarily but I, I don't know. My, my takeaway, my column that I wrote after that was, you know, it's very clear Alex Lomax is going to start the year as, as the starting point guard for Memphis. But my my sense is, is that for this team to truly reach its ceiling, which is a Final Four national championship type team, that's the ceiling for this group. For them to do it, I think it's going to feature Amani maybe not necessarily as a point guard, but as the guy initiating things with the ball in his hands. Because I think when you look at this roster, it's the easiest way for Memphis to get its five best players on the floor. If if Amani is at the one, that means you can play Landers and Lester and DeAndre and Jalen Duran. That's your five, those are your five best players. And um, maybe Amani isn't totally ready or equipped to be a true point guard. But I think if you're Penny Hardaway, you got to figure out a way to make it work because I don't think you reach the ceiling. You think that this team's capable of without that. And I think frankly, 
My gut tells me Penny knows that deep down because that's why he was selling Amani Bates during the recruiting process on being a point guard because that's where it made him being at Memphis made the most sense with him as the point guard for the team. Um, and so I know there'll be some, and I got some pushback on social media when I posted my column that, you know, this isn't about the five best players. It's about the five players with the best chemistry. And Penny has said something along those lines as well this off, you know, the past few weeks. Um, and, and my argument to that would be, it is the coach's job to, to, to develop chemistry amongst the five best players, you know, like, and I'm not saying yet it has to start against Tennessee Tech next week, um, but I think eventually you need to get to a place where you're able to play your five best players on the court in the key moments because, you know, in theory, what Penny wants to do with Alex Lomax manning the point makes a lot of sense. You know, you want a true point guard out there, but just as just as Amani made some mistakes and struggled in terms of bringing the ball up the court against Lane College. I'm going to be quite honest. Alex Lomax made a lot of the same mistakes he's made over his first three years in terms of decision-making against Lane College. Like, it was really interesting to me after the game where there were moments during that game, we're sitting courtside, Penny was really upset with Alex Lomax's decision-making. At one point when Alex made a mistake, came off the floor, Penny wouldn't even look at him. Yeah. And then after the game, Penny spoke glowingly about it. Um, and I found that to be very interesting um, because, like I said, I think I think Alex Lomax has an important role on this team because there are going to be moments when Amani struggles to bring the ball to the court, and you are going to need Alex out there to support him. But I think you're doing – I think ultimately, again, I think you're limiting your ceiling as a team if Alex Lomax is is taking the majority of the minutes at point guard, um, like I think he's a he's a nice role player for this team, um, but he's not one he's not one of the five best players on the team. I'm not even sure he's one of the eight best players on the team. Um, and I think you're limiting what this team could. Yeah. I think you're limiting what this team can accomplish if you're if you're uh, leaning in on Alex Lomax as your lead point guard. I mean, let's just be honest. The best stretch Penny Hardaway has had as a coach, the best stretch this program has had since he's been the coach was without Alex Lomax last season. Um, it was without a true point guard, so to speak. It was with Boogie Ellis playing point guard. So I don't understand why that doesn't happen. again. I, I think it will happen again. I think Penny will get there. Um, and I don't think he needs to start the year. I think I'm totally fine. I think it'll be totally reasonable to start the year with Alex Lomax supporting Amani Bates. But I think it is crucial to get to a point, you know, whether it's 10 game, you know, five, 10 games into the season, whatever it ends up being. I think it's important to get to a point where you are actively putting your five best players on the court as much as possible. Yeah, no, there's certainly uh, an argument to be to be made. for, for and frankly, I feel bad for Alex that he's being put in this position where, you know, it's, you know, like, you know, it, it comes off as criticizing Alex. Like, I love, I love Alex Lomax. I've been watching him since he was a junior in high school, since I got here to Memphis. Um, like, 
I think he's a useful player. I think he's an important player for this team. I just don't know if that's the the, the usefulness is that I don't know if he's being he's going to be his most useful being used as the primary ball handler for this team, say, 30 minutes a game. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's really what he's best suited for. Yeah, he's a, he's a pick your spot guy. He's a classic pick your spot guy. Um, energy he, guy, great defensive guy. Like frankly, if we're talking about you want to have like a true like a guy, a true point guard on the floor, like I, I would argue, <clears throat> I would argue you might want to try Earl Timberlake in that role more. Like you know, like honestly, like Alex's decision making has been you know at the college level has been shaky, um, and until he shows otherwise. Um, you know, I think you need to limit his minutes because it, he's shown when he's, you know, when you rely on him too much, you know, again, there's, you limit your ceiling, I think is what it is. It's not that he's bad. It's just that you limit your ceiling as a team, especially with the roster Memphis has. Yeah. I mean, I know there were exhibitions, but he played 17 minutes against Lemoyne Owen and he played 16 and a half roughly against Lane College. Um... Do you think it needs to be a little less than that, probably? Well, it's different in those games. Like, I would say, I you know, if Penny's playing a 10-man rotation, then I, I would say those minutes are – that's good. Those types of minutes are good for him. Like 15 minutes, you know, yeah. seven minutes each half, something like the seven, eight minutes each half. Like, I think that's good. You know, he played – you know, the – in the, in these exhibition games, Penny was playing 14, 15, you know, whatever, a lot of guys. So 16, 17 minutes in that sort of rotation actually correlates to more of like a 25, 30 minute type of role that he had. Um, so I would say I would say keep it at that minutes level, but with a 10 man rotation um, is how is how I would look at it. Um, like, I think I think if I'm Penny, I'm looking at it as. When you can, and you could hear Penny talk about it in terms of after the game, in terms of like sort of different lineups and looks he wanted to get a look at. Like, I think there's something to be said having Alex and Earl Timberlake as sort of your some two of your subs off the bench. Those guys are menaces defensively. It gives you like a totally different look off the bench that could really throw team. You know, like Penny's talked about. We're going to be more strategic with our full court pressure this year. You know, they're still going to do it a decent amount, but they want to be more strategic about it. Like that could be one of the ways you deploy it. Like we're going to start the game with this super talented line, offensively talented lineup with Amani and Landers and Lester and and DeAndre and Jalen, like kind of this more well-balanced. And then we're going to hit you with this defensively like just – a defensively defensively menacing lineup with Alo and Earl Timberlake and you know hopefully if he gets eligible Chandler Lawson you know guys like 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 there's something to be said like it, that that's a way to deploy these guys and you really throw teams off balance I think yeah that way but th- there's all sorts of combinations Penny can go with with this many talented players yeah, and just thinking about that a lineup like that, thinking about um, like you said, deploying a uh, 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 weapons in that way. You know, if you surround Alex Lomax with other guys, as you mentioned, like Earl Timberlake, Chandler Lawson. Uh, uh, I mean, and you could even keep uh, somebody like Lester Quinones, another defensive type 
a really really good defensive player, then you don't then you don't necessarily need Alex Lomax to be this just uh, uh, like really really good point guard. He doesn't you know like when you when you are uh, forcing turnovers and uh, you've got teams on their heels um, by applying just a ton of defensive pressure then again you you don't necessarily need Alex Lomax to be this uh uh this you know this this great point guard i mean it, it just doesn't it's it it, it lends itself mm-hmm. to to it, it plays to his strengths and you, uh, just playing that way like like i want to emphasize you are going to need Alex Lomax this season Not a doubt. i just think it it's 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 important how he's used. You know what I mean? Like he can, he can, he should and can play a key role on this team because he is the one guy on the roster who truly is a true point guard in terms of his mindset. But I, I think you need to deploy him in a way that makes sense for him because ultimately he is a point guard. A, a good defensive point guard who isn't a good shooter has trouble finishing at the rim. And frankly, during his time at Memphis has been off up and down in terms of a, as a decision maker running yeah. the offense like that, that frankly, that's how I would describe him um, when he's making smart decisions. It looks really good. And when, you know, he's shown in the past, at the high school and AAU level, that when you surround him with talented players, he, he can be very he can be very good. Yep. Um, but I think it's in spots. It's not as a featured player. Um, right. I think you have too much talent, and you like. Does your floor raise? Maybe I I don't know. Does he? I think he gives Penny a certain level of comfort because Penny's been with them since the sixth grade. But like again, I just don't think this team can reach the heights it's it's aiming to reach if it's actively playing, you know, actively avoiding playing its five best players. And the five best players to me are very clearly Amani Bates, Landers Nolly, Lester Quinones, Deion Williams, and Jalen Duran. Yeah, I mean that that's what's that's what's clear to me. Um, but all in all, a successful. Um, exhibition campaign for Memphis. Nothing, you know, the fact that, you know, ultimately, honestly, the the, the success was that we saw Monty and Landers out on the floor in the second one. Um, Jonathan Lawson also came back, also managed to get ejected from his first ever exhibition game. That was a that was not a good look for Jonathan, but he'll learn. He'll, he's a young guy. He'll, he'll get better. Um, but um, the fact that you got to see Landers and uh, Amani out there, uh, you feel better that everyone's, you know, except for Chandler Lawson's eligible. Um, and, and, you know, and you feel good that you've got, you know, pretty much all the pieces you thought you were going to have during the offseason. And they all seem to they all seem to fit together pretty well so far. Again, it'll it'll progressively ratchet up here first with Tennessee tech, then North Carolina central, um, and so on and so forth. Um, so let's talk about the regular season, Jason. Um, as we said, next we're less than a week away next Tuesday, November 9th, 
Memphis against Tennessee Tech to start things off, uh, start this regular season off. So I want to go through five. I'm going to give five questions here, and I, we're going to each give our uh, bold predictions uh, or bold answers to these questions related to the season. Okay, Jason? All right. Let's, let's fire away. All right. Question number one ahead of this regular season, who will lead the Tigers in scoring this season? You want me to start? Yes, go ahead. All right. Uh, I don't even think I'm just like I don't even think there's a need to for any preamble. It's it's in my mind. It's Amani Bates. He did look at he hit some he hit some he's got that he's got the he one he hit I know it was against Lane College but he was hitting contested jumpers in that game. Yep. He hit one of those pull up jumpers off the dribble that Kevin Durant does where like he pulls up. And he shoots the ball so high ahead over his head, and he's so, so long that it looks impossible to block. He, he's got any. He, he had an up and under layup. He ha, he has a lot of lot of ways he can score the ball. So I think that's a that's a good pick. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with. It, it's weird that it's a wild card, um, but after watching him in the exhibition game this past weekend, I'm gonna say the leading scorer is gonna be the same guy as last year. I think Landers Nolly is going to lead Memphis in scoring. I, I just think that guy's a bucket getter. Like, he can just – I mean, I think he he's probably the best shooter on the team. And uh, I think with all these weapons, it's going to give him more open looks than he had last year with all these different pieces around him. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go I'm going to go Landers Nolly as the leading scorer. But I think, I think that's a decent choice with, with Imani Bates. I think that's a – He's, especially if he has the ball in his hands as much as I think he should. I guess we're gonna. I guess we're easing into this whole to the bold part of our predictions because those are a couple of pretty safe bets. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's that's all right. Okay. Um, all right. Here's one. Who will lead the team in threes? Let's say. Let's say who will lead the team in three point percentage. Oh, percentage. Well, that's a whole different. No, deal. let's go number of threes. Let's go number of threes. We'll go number of threes. Who's gonna lead the team in threes? Well, uh, I, 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 to me, this is a no-brainer just because of the different types of roles that, you know, like Imani, Imani Bates is going to, like he wants to showcase other parts of his game. Um, he also is a very skilled multi-level scorer. He doesn't need to just rely on the three. Uh, you know, he can, he can get to the basket. He can create off the dribble, as you said, um, got a good mid range game. Uh, I mean, I think, I think he's a candidate. I think, uh, Lester can is a candidate. Um, he, he was five out of six against Lemoyne. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's got a, he has a reputation. He came here with a reputation as a sharpshooter. Uh, so I think he's definitely, um, a candidate. Uh, but to me, it's, it's Landers Nolly. Uh, Landers, I think, is is. I mean, we've seen he's a high volume shooter, um, and that is his that is his unquestioned strength. Is like that that is what he does better than anything else is shooting the three, and uh, so I think that they're going to they're probably going to take you know a couple things off his plate some some things that he he might have been asked to do last year that that uh 
you know, I guess diverted his attention away from from being this uh, uh, from being as as productive a three point shooter as he probably could have been. Um, I think you know, uh, with the influx of talent, he's going to have a chance to to really lean into uh, to that lane of being a a dead eye three point shooter, and I think that's going to lead to him being the having the most uh, three pointers on the team. Interesting. I'm going to go with a, another. I don't know, maybe a wild card. I don't know. I, I think people underestimate. I think the past couple years you've seen because of how versatile he is as a defender, Lester Quinones always plays a lot of minutes. And I think he better understands exactly what his role is as a 3 and D guy now in his third year. And I think he's going to be a more, you know, he, he came in with this reputation as a shooter, didn't shoot the ball great as a freshman, Shot it pretty well last year. I think he. I think this is the year where he really comes into his own as a shooter and and emerges as the flashy shooter he was billed to be as a recruit. And I think because again he's so valuable defensively, I think he's going to play a lot of minutes, even with as talented as this roster is. So I'm going to go with Lester Quinones. I think Landers is a good choice there as well. But I'm going to go Lester Quinones here just because I bet you he averages more minutes per game than Landers Nolly this year. So he'll have more of a chance to hit threes. And again, a guy who will benefit a lot from the level of talent they have on this roster. He's going to get a lot of open looks because of it. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a strong case made for, for one Lester Quinones. Yeah. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Penny has said he, he's going to stick to a nine or ten man rotation this year. Okay, who will be Jason the ten man? Ro- who will be in the ten man rotation when this all settles out? When we're in February in the thick of conference play, heading into March, what does this ten man rotation look like? Not what it'll look like against Tennessee Tech. What will it look like when it all settles out? Who who will be in the ten man rotation? For Memphis. All right. Imani Bates. Okay. I'm going to run through these quick because these are the obvious ones. Imani Bates, DeAndre Williams, Jalen Duran, Alex Lomax, Lester Quinones, Earl Timberlake, Landers Nolly, uh, Josh Minot. And I think, I, I believe Chandler, I'm going to go ahead and put Chandler Lawson in there just because I think. You're assuming he gets eligible at some point. At some point, yes, I, I feel like uh, whether it's whether it's in the coming days or they have to wait till the spring semester, I, I think he'll be there by as you talked about February March. So, uh, so that's eight obvious ones plus Chandler Lawson. So you only got one more spot left. Yeah, I know. And 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 the three guys that that I think are candidates for that last spot are John Camden, Jaden Hardaway, and Malcolm Dandridge. So that's. Like I don't even I don't I don't know. Uh, in March, in February, March, give me give me Malcolm Dandridge, and and the reason being is because a he's a junior, he's, this is his third year in the system, um, so that gives him the nod over John Camden, and and I just feel like what John Camden does 
what John Camden is, there are other guys ahead of him that do what he does. Landers Nolly is the dead eye shooter. Uh, Josh Minot is the is the six eight six nine lengthy uh, you know guy who can give you some length on defense, but also you know is versatile enough to to defend uh, you know one two three four. Um, so I, I just feel like Malcolm Dandridge is there's not enough of what he can do and what he can give you, uh, or not as much, I should say. Um, and so for that reason, I, 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 I gotta go with Malcolm. I completely agree with your 10. That is the exact 10 I had with Malcolm in there. I think an important thing to point out and hopefully he solves it. He was a guy who, you know, frankly, of all the main guys on this team, during the two exhibition games, the guy who was kind of the quietest, not in terms of volume of his voice or anything, but in terms of his production, DeAndre Williams was was kind of quiet um, during the exhibition games. You don't worry about him because you know what he is. He showed what he is uh, at the end of last year. But also what he showed at the end of last year is that he's prone to getting in foul trouble. Um, and that's where I think Malcolm Dandridge will be, why he'll be in the 10-man rotation. You are going to need him because I don't think you're going to want to play Durin 35 minutes a game. And I think he's your your Chandler Lawson is going to have a big role helping out with those DeAndre Williams minutes potentially. Um, but, but you're going to need Dandridge down low um, to help you out in those, especially in those moments where you, where you get into some foul trouble. Um, and the other thing is um, he gives you a rim protector other than Jalen Dern. Um, you know, he, he's a decent rim protector, even though he's a little smaller than Jalen Duran. Um, as you put it, he brings some things that they don't have coming off the bench or in the lineup. Whereas John Camden, Jaden Hardaway, there are guys who do those things. You know, whether it's Lester or Landers or or, you know, you know, whether in different ways, Earl and Josh Minot. Um, so um, I'm with you. I'm going Dandridge. Not to say like I think Camden, there's going to be some games this year yeah. where you might need Camden shooting to boost you. You might need Jaden Hart. You know, I, I think, frankly, if we're if we're saying who's going to be in the 10 man rotation on uh Tuesday against Tennessee Tech, although I I would hope in that type of game you can ultimately play more than 10 guys because it's a blowout, but I would say Jaden is probably in the 10-man rotation to start the year, um, given the way Penny's spoken about him, Jaden Hardaway. But when it all settles out, I'm with you. That's my 10. Bates, Nolly, Quinones, Williams, Duran, Lomax, Earl, Timberlake, Chandler Lawson, Josh Minot, Malcolm Dandridge. I think that's my 10 as well. Um, okay, here's one, Jason. Who will be first team all conference at the end of this season for Memphis? Well, um, I believe I did this already in a, in a separate, uh, in a separate thing on our, on our website. And so I, I, I hope memory is serving because it serves me well, cause I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I believe I picked DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran as the two first-team uh, all-AAC picks. Um, so both freshmen. 
Well, you've got both freshmen as first team selections. No, no, no. DeAndre Williams and Jalen. Oh, Durant excuse me. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Because I, I picked Jalen Duran to be the rookie of the year um, in in the uh, in the American, and so I think that's going to earn him a spot on the first team. And then uh, I, I just DeAndre Williams should have been an All Conference guy last year. It, it was last season. It was unfathomable uh, that he was not. Um, but I think they get it well, right this year because he only played. He missed a third of the year because of the ridiculous stuff with Evansville. Yeah, but I think this year, um, you know, I think this year he 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 proves exactly how valuable he is uh, to this team. And I mean, you know, it's I mean, there's a lot of people who've said already uh, they don't need you know you don't need us to say it that he might be the most valuable piece on this team by the time it's all said and done he might he probably not going to lead the team in scoring probably not going to lead the team in rebounding probably not going to uh you know lead the team in anything perhaps um maybe field goal percentage maybe um but just he he just brings he brings so much to the team to the table and i just feel like uh uh he, he will he will be he'll be recognized for that I think it's a smart pick, Jason, because I also think this is what you need to take into consideration. Go look at the rest of the rosters in the AAC. This league this year is guard heavy. Yeah. It's going to be much harder to be an all-conference selection as a guard than it is as a big man. So I agree with you. I think Jalen Duran is first-team all-AAC. One, because I think he's going to have a good year. Two, because I don't think there's going to be nearly like there's just not that many good big guys in the AAC. And three, he's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that there's not that many good big guys in the AAC. Um, and, you know, what you saw from him in these exhibitions, I mean, he's going to give Memphis, you know, it's what James Wiseman was in those three games. Like he, the, the his ability to catch lobs and um, finish at the rim is something they did not have last year. Like Musa Cisse, even though he was the AAC Rookie of the Year, um, Musa was not that player. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's going to dominate in a way, maybe not quite the way Precious did two years ago, but, you know, we saw what Precious did. This guy's every bit the physical specimen Precious was, and it's, it's bigger, maybe a little less skilled, but... You know, he showed, he, you know, there were a couple moments in these exhibition games. He showed some nice touch, too. Um, yeah. So I, I think Jalen Duran's a good pick. And I think if this team's as good as I think it'll be, I think they're going to get two all AAC selections. And I'll go with the guy who I thought was going to lead the team in scoring. Because a lot of times, if you're the best team in the league, your leading score is going to make all AAC first team. So give me Landers Nolly. So I'm going to go Nolly and Jalen Duran as all AAC selections for Memphis this year. And then probably Bates as a second team pick, something like that. Can't argue with that. Yeah. All right. Last but not least here, Jason, our questions to, to wrap up this season preview, if you will, um, what will be Memphis's record heading into the NCAA tournament? So including the conference tournament and what seed will they be in the NCAA tournament? So, including the conference tournament. So, we're talking 33 games here. 30 regular season and 
potentially, if you make it to the conference championship game, three conference tournament games. So 33 total. Give me, okay. All right. I th- I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with 29 and four. Okay. 29 and four. Do you have any, and then uh, do you have any sort of prediction on where those losses might come or how those losses might happen? Do you have them winning the conference tournament? I do. I okay, do. So you got them at 26 and four in the yep. regular season. Yep. Is that two losses in non-conference and two in conference play in your mind, or is it something different? Nope, that's exactly what it is. I, I, and, I, and I'm not sure, you know, it, is it going to be Xavier? Is it going to be Virginia Tech? Is it going to be Tennessee or Alabama? You know, maybe could it be Ole Miss? I, I don't know. But I think two of those five probably will be um, – will count for uh, – Two of the Memphis. four, I mean. Xavier. Oh, two of those five games. I see what you're saying. Yeah, two of yeah. those five games. It won't count. Yeah, three, three SEC teams and, and then the two teams that they'll face, that they'll likely face in Brooklyn, uh, Virginia Tech, and, and more than likely Xavier uh, if they beat Virginia Tech. So um, I, I think, yeah, two of those five games will end up being, in, being losses. Um, and then, yeah, two games in conference. I feel like, uh, uh, I feel like that's, a good, that's a good safe bet. Okay. I'm uh, I'm similar to you. I am gonna go one more law. I got them. What by the way? What seed do you have them at twenty nine and four? I think I know that's harder to predict, but yeah. I, I mean, I think that'll be good enough if you win the if you win the regular season, if you win the conference t- uh, champion the conference tournament, um, if you you know you 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 grab a few uh, you know marquee type wins if let's say you beat virginia tech and xavier and you only lose to uh tennessee at an, on a neutral site and and maybe uh maybe you'll miss on the road i mean i, I feel like that's going to be good enough um to to be like a maybe a three seed i mean that mm-hmm. if you're a three seed you're one of the top 12 teams in the country yeah i think that's yeah. That's a, a fair. I, I think a three seed is where I'm is where I'm landing on that. I got them at twenty eight and five. I think they're gonna. I, I'm with you. I think I, I got them losing like whether it's two or three, two probably two non conference games. I'm, I I think that Virginia Tech game is going to be real tricky because I still think they're going to be figuring things out at that point. And Virginia Tech's a team that returns everyone from a tournament team. Uh, and it'll be their first time playing away from FedEx Forum. It'll be, you know, it'll be a weird environment. And then I think, you know, whether it's Tennessee, as you put it, whether it's like Tennessee, you know, I think they probably split that Alabama-Tennessee set, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then I got them losing three times in conference play, probably. Like, I think people, you know, ultimately, you're going to, there's going to be one, even Houston last year, which was a Final Four team, lost to ECU on the road you know like there's going to be a game that you never see coming on the road that this you know they don't take it seriously or whatever they play poorly and they lose um and then you know winning at Houston even as talented as Memphis is is going to be tricky and when you know winning at Wichita State early is going to be tricky so like 
I think they'll drop a couple road games in conference play. They'll, but they'll, st- but I got them winning the AAC tournament, and I got them as like a. I, if I had to predict today, I'd say four seed, one of the top fifteen or sixteen teams in the country, with a chance to maybe be a three seed too, depending right. on what your losses were and, and how that played out. Um, but, and I've said this all along, even if this team was an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. I'd still, you know, like as long as they get in the NCAA tournament with this type of talent, they're going to have a shot to beat anyone. Um, yeah. Like they can go on a run from any seed, I think. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah, like bottom line is we've got is <laughs> I think we both agree and, uh, and and rightfully so that 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 this season has, you know, it's got it's got NCAA tournament written all over it. Very clearly, and and thank. I mean, hopefully for the fans' sake, you know that's that's great because it's been way too long. Two thousand seven years in a place like well, will be eight years by the time they get in in twenty twenty two. I mean, for 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 a place like Memphis, I mean, I don't know how you fan fans have have stayed as enthusiastic as they have. Uh, lesser fans would have, you know would have checked out by now. And so it's a credit to Memphis fans that you all are as passionate as you are, uh, even during what is, you know, one of the low point, one of the low in terms of results, low moments for in the program's history. Um, but obviously we are headed for a season that could be, you know, the highest of highs. It could be, you know, it sure seems like there's potential for that. And it's, I can't wait for the season to get started next week against Tennessee Tech. Um, we'll have tons of coverage throughout the week leading into the game over at commercialpeel.com. Jason has some great stuff planned. Uh, I'll have some. I'll have a column up ahead of the game, and then we'll have coverage from FedEx Forum next Tuesday. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee Tech, seven o'clock tip. Um, as we tip off, you know, one of the most anticipated Memphis basketball seasons in a long time. Um, I, like I said, I cannot wait and I, we can't wait over at the commercial appeal to provide you wall to wall coverage. Um, we'll come, we'll, we'll come back to you next week on the podcast. We'll break down what happened against Tennessee tech, get you ready for North Carolina central. We'll see who's in, who's in the starting lineup. Who's the point guard, you know, how did Jalen Dern and Imani Bates look in their first official games as, as freshmen, as college basketball players? Lots and lots to digest, and we'll digest it here on the podcast. Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week uh, heading into the first game of the season. We'll talk to you later. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.